From the East Coast to the West, this is the Coast to Coast NBA Podcast. I'm Chalanga. And I'm Dylan. What's up, Dylan? Nothing much. Just got back from Minnesota. Hey, back from the home. homeland. Had to uh, do some marketing tours, you know what I mean? For sure, for sure. A little post-puppies wrap-up work. That's right. Uh, I was over at Rojo in uh, St. Louis Park. Nice. Like the West End, right? Yeah, isn't it the Icon Showplace Theaters or whatever? Yeah, West yep. End. That's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Yard House is over there, and uh, yeah, that's a that's a nice spot. I'm I'm quite familiar. I saw a buddy of an old buddy of mine. His name's Andrew Drone. I went to high school with him, hey. and I I gave out my business card. This was right when Gerson Rosas became Pobo, the president Pobo. of basketball operations of the Minnesota Timberwolves. What exciting news! Yeah, it is exciting. You know, this this whole search has been, it seems like it's been conducted in the proper way, you know, and, and that feels good to know that there was a really solid process and four candidates that, as far as I could tell, all seemed very qualified in their own ways. Except possibly Chauncey, but we just did that as a favor, it turns out, in the end. Yeah, and you know, maybe Chauncey will be really good at it. Who knows? You know, there's really like you don't know until until they do it. He could be good, but he's definitely technically not qualified, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. Here so Mr. Rosas, our new president of basketball operations, coming from the Houston Rockets under Daryl Morey. He has been with the Rockets for seventeen years. He started as an intern, worked his way up to the role of Executive Vice President of Basketball Op- Operations, or EVPOBO, EVPOBO for short. <laughs> uh, That's what everybody <laughs> called him, was EVPOBO. Yeah. Uh, Mr. EVPOBO, uh, come here, please. Uh, anyway, he's got like a very diverse background in the fact that he spent time scouting, um, for USA Basketball. He's the Director of Basketball Without Borders for the Americas. He's got, you know, an analytics brain coming from the Morey team, who Daryl Morey is famously one of the most analytically driven general managers in all of basketball. So it seems like this is going to be, and he's young, he's 40. So it's good to have a fresh mind running this Timberwolves organization. It seems like it's a really good pick. He's part of the selection committee for Team USA Basketball. Oh. So I, and he's a scout. So and I think that he's going to bring so many new things. He's obviously going to bring the, all of the analytics uh, from the Rockets. But he's he in addition to that, I think he's going to bring a lot of uh, foreign scouting prowess. And I think we we are going to get a lot of development outside of the U.S. as well of players. Yeah, that's really exciting because obviously there's a huge crop of players outside of the United States, and it takes some know-how and some intel and some connections to be able to properly scout those players. So it's good to know that we've got someone who is really invested in that and hopefully able to find us some late draft talent um, by going overseas. So fun fact, he was actually promoted. I don't know if it was a promotion or if it was just a movement, but he became the general manager of the Rio Grande Valley Vipers the G League affiliate of the Rockets, for four years. Yeah. And he went to the finals all four years. 
and he won twice. Wow. So this guy is a guy who knows how to build a team that wins. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think there, my gut tells me that there's a good track record of success in the G League to success in the NBA. Granted, I don't know for sure. I'm thinking about Nick Nurse right now, coach of the Toronto Raptors. Seems like he's made a transition from uh, G League coaching to NBA coaching really, really well. So, Well, I think especially if you're putting teams together in the G League, you're not using these names. So a lot of what you're doing as a manager or as a coach or whatever is you're putting these personalities together that don't have uh, egos. So it's a, a lot more based on the technical skill of your craft, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think there's more opportunity to really, um, like, system is much more valuable in the G League because there aren't those individual beasts that can just play ISO. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there, there's there's a little bit more craft in, in, in system work and finding players that fit within the system, which is exciting. So when I first found out about Gerson Rosas being one of the candidates, it was in a tweet from John Meyer. Yeah. And he had, I think, five candidates. And out of all the candidates, the only ones I really knew were Chauncey, Michael Winger. There was the Brooklyn Nets assistant GM. And I hadn't really heard of Gerson. But now, now that he is actually hired by us and I've, and we've done the research. So Ethan Casson was the person who led this. Much to the pleasure of Chalanga, Glenn Taylor stepped back yes. from the search committee. So on the search committee was Cheryl Reeve. GM and coach of the Minnesota Lynx. My uh, old-time neighbor, Ryan Tankey, the uh, CFO of ticketing and stuff. That's cool. And uh, Ethan Casson. So Glenn Taylor realized that in the past he had been maybe too involved in the search for who was going to lead this team to victory. And I think that giving up that kind of power to someone who's in their 40s like Ethan Casson to search for some new blood, I think that's all very positive for the Timberwolves. And I think that you owe Glenn Taylor another apology. Hey, I will give Glenn Taylor apology when the Timberwolves make the playoffs two seasons in a row. Then I will give him a formal apology. I will give Glenn Taylor a formal apology when the Timberwolves don't move to Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I can move it down to there as long as they stay in Minnesota. Anyway, we Um, just wanted to... Which he's done. Yes. Which he's done yes. for us. We just wanted to give you an update on the new hiring for the Timberwolves because it's very exciting. But that is far from the point of this pod. So Dylan and I have been watching a lot of playoff basketball, as I'm sure a lot of you have. And we wanted to take some time to talk about the playoffs. Uh, so what we did is first we looked at all the teams that have been eliminated. And right now we are going to... Uh, bow our heads and bring things down a little bit as we do an in memoriam for each team that is no longer in the playoffs. Dylan, if you'll cue the music. In memoriam. Here lie the Indiana Pacers. Gently put to rest by the Boston Celtics, four games to zero on 4-21-2019. And now, we remember this season's 
accomplishments. They weren't completely horrible after losing Victor Oladipo, their best player. They never lost a game to the Celtics by more than 10 points. And they managed to make the Celtics look better than they actually are. Hey there. Rest in Pacers. Pacers. Resquiate. All right. So now that we've finished uh, giving our respects to the dead Pacers, let's talk about what the Pacers look like going forward. Obviously, their season is done. Uh, but this is a team in particular that has a lot of hope for the future. So Dylan, next year, they'll they'll have approximately $50 million in cap space. $50 million. They have really three free, four free agents, upcoming free agents. Thaddeus Young, Bojan Bogdanovic, Darren Collison, and Tyreek Evans. Thaddeus Young is at $13 million. Bojan's at 12.5. Darren Collison's at 10. And Evans is at 12.5. So all together, that's about that $50 million that they've got because those contracts are all expiring. I feel like all of those guys are kind of what they could hope for at free agency. I don't know if they're going to sign like a Kemba Walker or something. Yeah, you know, I I don't think uh I think that would be a wise move for Kemba Walker. Kemba Oladipo backcourt. Oh my god, it'd be like <laughs> Dame and CJ West or East, excuse me. Who are their wings then in this case right now? Right now? They got well cuz Boyan's going to be gone. Who else? Uh, Oladipo is their wing, but he's more of their lead guard. Yeah, um, he's more of a pick point guard right now. They've got Doug McDermott under contract, uh, and that's about it. So you you have to think that they're going to have to resign either Boyan or Tyreek Evans. Here's my revival serum. Yeah, sign Kemba Walker and sign a wing. Who's a small forward that they can sign? Uh, they could re-sign Wes Matthews, for example. They could go get old Damari Carroll. They could go get... Wow, that's bleak. <laughs> All right, Pacers, there's no hope for you. You're going to be a five seed for the next 10 years again. Yeah, listen, best case scenario for the Pacers is that Aaron Holiday develops into a, a really solid NBA player. And they've got a three-year window now with Depot and Turner under contract for a while. So if they stand pat, keep Boyan and Young on like relatively team-friendly deals and just wait on Aaron Holiday, that's probably the best that they can do. And, you know, Miles Turner could get better, too. He's still very young. He's, what, 22, 23? Well, Miles Turner kind of had that year already. That was This was kind of his coming out year. True, true. Um, and, like, defensively, he he's gotten way better this year i i think there's still steps that his offensive game can take because he is so versatile and he's got real legitimate range so here's hoping for depot's uh health he yes let us bow our heads again while we give our respects to the detroit pistons dylan here lie the detroit pistons painfully slaughtered by the greek freak and his hellish battalion of bucks as they fell four games to none on April 22nd, 2019. And now we remember this year's accomplishments. This year, the Milwaukee Bucks got a full, healthy season, 75 games, out of Blake Griffin. They made it back to the playoffs for the first time since 2016. 
And they were even able to get somebody off the buyout market, which means <laughs> they were attractive enough of a team that Wayne Ellington chose to go. Former Timberwolf. Former Timberwolf chose to go there and get eliminated in the first round of the playoffs instead of Philly or Toronto. I don't know who I feel worse for that Wayne Ellington went there. Here's the thing. He got he got the starting spot. That's I think that's really what made him go, is that there was a starting spot available for him. I can't believe they made the playoffs with him starting. <laughs> well, here here's the thing, is that Blake had, a, all, like, he will probably make an all-NBA team this year. He had an amazing season. He should, yeah. Which is cool. Congratulations to Blake. You and I were both bullish on the fact that Blake cannot play a full healthy NBA season. I know that's not true. I was bullish on the fact that Blake was going to be an all NBA level player if he could be healthy. And I said, he probably won't be, but I was way more bullish on Blake. than you. Okay. Okay. Fair, fair, fair. Point is really proud of Blake. This team is in a difficult space though. Right now. Really, really difficult space already. There's $7 million over the cap for next year. They're really locked in. To Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, and Reggie Jackson. <laughs> They're locked in on Reggie Jackson. Who all together make something around $70 million. <laughs> Here's the thing about Reggie Jackson. Good news for the Pistons is that after next year, he'll be off their books. Bad news is that they're in holding pattern for this year because they have no space at all. Another bad news is I can't even say one thing that Reggie Jackson did in the playoffs. No, he's he was dis he was ghost. He was more ghost than Blake Griffin was in the first two games. And it was too bad. It was great to see Blake Griffin get out there and try in the games three and four. But yeah, yeah. And then immediately go have surgery on his knee again. Yikes. So we'll see. You know they've got Blake Griffin signed until he's thirty five, making forty million dollars. So that seems like a really good contract. That could be a worse contract than Wiggins. Oh my God! Yeah, I mean this. Blake Griffin contract and Wall contract and Westbrook's contract. Those are the three most horrifying. And even even Chris Paul's contract is pretty scary too. But yeah, there's some there's some old guys that are making a lot of money. Andre Drummond did have a sneaky good season, like one of the best seasons of his career. He was 17 points, 15 rebounds. Thanks, Blake. Yeah, seriously. I really have nothing else to say. They were lucky to have such a good season out of Blake, and I don't know if they're going to have another one like that. I don't know either. I want to just mention one thing. I want. I hope they do. I want the Pistons to have one positive note, is that they do have an interesting young core of future role players. So I don't think any of these players are going to be stars in any way, shape, or form. But I think when you're looking at Luke Kennard, Bruce Brown, Kyrie Thomas... And Sviatoslav Mikhailuk. <laughs> You're never going to give up on him. Or Svi. Yo, forever. he's a good-ass shooter. <laughs> Listen, those... Yeah, I saw him making a lot in warm-ups. <laughs> like I said, all four of those players, none of them are going to blow your blow you away. None of them are going to blow your mind. But I think that that is a solid core to, <laughs> to of role players. Of G League players. That's a solid core of G League players. All right. They also own their first their own first round pick, which should be fifteen. Um, so <laughs> if they pick if they pick wisely, they could get a solid player at fifteen. But Great, we will see. On. All right. Bow your heads as we remember the Orlando Magic. Mm-hmm.
Dylan. Here lie the Orlando Magic, who were devoured by the Claw, Spicy Pea, and Fat Kyle Lowry on April 23rd, 2019, as the Raptors took the series four games to one. And now, we remember the Orlando Magic's accomplishments. They earned their first playoff berth since the Dwight Supperman Howard trade. They somehow amazingly beat Toronto in game one on the backs of Nikola Vucevic and DJ Augustine. And this year, Nikola Vucevic was the first all-star for the Magic since Dwight Little Dirty Dwighty Howard back in 2011. <laughs> I like Supperman. <laughs> yeah, he's not Superman anymore, so I can't, like I just have to change the name now. He added, he added a P, just like playoff mm-hmm. P. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so the magic the magic are in an interesting place because they're better than anybody thought, except <coughs> me. <coughs> um, this year, Rude. although I don't Rude. think that I would, I would have, ne- I did not have them in the playoffs. And do you have them in the playoffs um, next year? Well, it depends on a lot of things. So on Markel Fultz, <laughs> on Markel Fultz, baby, we everybody forgets Markel's still on this team, y'all. He'll be back. Nobody forgets. Back. They remember because it's so painful. All right. So moving forward, they've got twenty million dollars in uh, caps, twenty-five million dollars in cap space. Vucevic is coming off his contract. He was currently making twelve million dollars. He's twenty-eight and he just made his first All-Star team. My guess is that he's going to be looking for a significant raise. My guess is that he's going to make $25 million in cap from the Magic. That would be the worst thing the Magic could do. <laughs> because because who else is paying Vucevic $25 million? I think the Magic are in the position of power. Like I think teams will pay Vucevic more than $12 million. But if the Magic come at him with... An eighteen, nineteen million dollar offer, so they leave us leave themselves a little bit of wiggle room. He'll still be the highest paid player on their team because next year Aaron Gordon is making eighteen million, and then seventeen million, and then sixteen million. His contract decreases, and uh, Evan Fournier makes seventeen million. So if you go about it like that, you say Vooch, you're our all star, you're our best player, you're going to be the highest paid player. We can't give you twenty five billion because we still need to you know pick up. We want to try to pick up some other wing pieces um, and give ourselves more depth. They could end up with a fairly team-friendly deal if they settle on something like three years, $70 million, something in the Eric Bledsoe range. Okay, so all of this hinges upon the Magic front office being competent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. The, the Magic actually do have a legitimately interesting under-23 club. Um in Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, and yes, Markel Fultz. Now, Mo Bamba's interesting Mo, to you? I think Mo Bamba is a little bit interesting. Only because if he can shoot threes like he's supposed to, that's really tight. Like a seven foot four person who can shoot threes. It all depends if he can play defense, really. And if he can shoot threes. Yeah. <laughs> but Aaron Gordon has room for improvement. I mean, he's 23 years old. Jonathan Isaac has a lot of room for improvement. At the very least, he is a defensive stalwart. We'll see if he can get any offensive game. And 
I am still on Markel Island, and I will not get off Markel Island until I see him play a full season. Or if I never see him play a full season. Oh, God. Let's move on. Now, we remember the Brooklyn Nets. Dylan? Here lie the Brooklyn Nets, who, after putting up a courageous fight, were ultimately 76th by Philadelphia on April 23rd, 2019, as the series was claimed four games to one. And now, we remember Brooklyn's accomplishments. They finally recovered from the Kevin Garnett Paul Pierce trade, which put their franchise in turmoil for the past six years, seven years, eight years. They had an amazing game one win against Philadelphia. And D'Angelo Russell makes his first all star team. So, looking forward for the Brooklyn Nets. This is actually the Brooklyn Nets have the most positive outlook of all the teams that we've talked about thus far so moving forward they have 55 million dollars in cap room they still need to resign russell but even if they resign him for a near max they will still have a max slot available plus they have they have bird on him so if they sign a free agent first and then they structure d'angelo's deal they can go oh, over the cap to yeah, resign nice. d'angelo yeah they should do that yep they and they will um, Tobias Harris feels like he's going to be a Brooklyn net, which is like the the most disappointing case, but it is also the most Brooklyn net case. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I mean, if D'Angelo Russell is going to be the 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 leader of that team, then you want somebody as the second player, or even maybe the third player, depending on how Karis Levert's de- Levert develops to be able to play off ball. And Tobias Harris has shown that he's a very good off ball complimentary star. So I think a sneaky, a sneaky win for them is that they have two chances in the 15 to 25 range right now (coughs) for the draft. Yeah. And they are good at drafting. Exactly. They are excellent. Rodion's Karis Levert, Jarrett Allen, yeah, um, they they actually drafted Kyle Kuzma, and then traded him to the Lakers. Yeah, they're gonna be solid. My question is, if let's say Philly does really well in the playoffs, Jimmy and Tobias stay, Kawhi is in LA, KD stays with the Warriors or goes to the Knicks. What's the Nets' backup plan? I don't think they would do Kemba. They're not. Yeah, they're too I, smart. I they can't do a point guard because they already have two point guards. Right. You know, in Dinwiddie and, and two. Karis LeVert. Yeah, he's you know he's a Karis LeVert is I wouldn't necessarily call him a point guard, but he's a he's a guard for sure. He's a playmaking guard. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. I just I certainly hope they land on one of the four, either Kawhi, Jimmy, Tobias, or KD. And like we said, Tobias is probably their best option all right shall we move on sure but before we do oh no he played zero minutes at point guard Karis. yeah but he's like lead guard type um he's somewhere between a guard and a wing i feel like he's kind of an oladipo type except yeah 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 Yeah, he's a little bigger he's like what six seven six six yeah six seven good for your nets i love him 
Now we're going to move on. I guess we did all the East teams. The East series were over more quickly than the West series. So now we're going to move on to the West. Bow your heads as we remember the Oklahoma City Thunder. Dylan. Dylan. Here lie the Oklahoma City Thunder, who died suddenly in the middle of the night on April 23, 2019, as Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers waved goodbye to the series four games to one. And now we remember this season's accomplishments. Paul George had an MVP conversation caliber regular season. A lot of additives on that. He was a, a borderline MVP candidate, probably top five in, in most people's minds. Other accomplishments for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double for the third year in a row. And their second-round pick, Hamado Diallo, won the slam dunk contest. Not a lot to be happy about if you're an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. Nope. Here's here's where they're at looking forward. It's really, really hairy. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not that hairy because you've got two of the best 20 players in the league on your team. Uh, but we'll see, you know, how much longer Russ is a top 20 player. Currently, as it stands, the Oklahoma City Thunder are $14 million over the tax line. Yikes. For next year. So they're at like $146 million in salary. Get out while you can, Sam Presti. Ooh, he's got to go. He's got to go. It's it's hairy. It's hairy. I mean, Paul George is making $30-some million. Russell Westbrook's going to be making $40 million soon. And Steven Adams is making $27 million. That's almost $100 million tied up in three players. And this team got eliminated in the first round. This is activating my hemorrhoids. Oh, God. So my first question is, the most obvious cap relief scenario. Because you're not going to trade Russ. And I, you can't trade Paul George. So the next most expensive player is Steven Adams. Should... Slash will slash can the Thunder trade Stephen Adams? I don't think they can. That's almost who, who wants him? Who wants him? The Wolves. No, I they mean, need another big who's overpaid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody. Listen. Everybody has a big who's overpaid. They're just another one of those teams. And they're not going to be able to move them. Yeah, Bismack Biombo. That's really tough. And the thing is, Steven Adams is actually a really good player. Like, he's so much better than all these other... Like, Timofey Mozgov, who we didn't mention on the Magic, but Timofey Mozgov is getting paid $16 million by the Magic next year. Yikes. Uh, yeah. But Mozgov, Biombo, Gorgi Jang, these are all players. Like, these are set... Jan. They're... they're their contracts are significantly less, like $10 million less, but they're also so much worse than Steven Adams. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, Steven Adams is a really, really, really good NBA player. Really, really good. He's just not a $27 million player in this in this NBA, you know? Yeah, not even close. Nope, not even close. The other option would be to trade Dennis Schrader, who makes about $15.5 million. Which would get them just under the tax, but wouldn't really give them any cap room to work with. <sighs> it's all horrible. I will say Dennis yeah. Dennis Schroeder is one of my least favorite NBA players. 
Not only because everybody pronounces his last name differently, because nobody likes to pronounce German last names properly. Schroeder, Schrader, Schroeder. Schroeder. But he's also just kind of a dick. Yeah, he is. He always picks fights like when he doesn't have to. It's the truth. Uh, it happened kinda, with Jeff I'm kind of into dicks, though. I know you're into dicks. <laughs> That's a different pod, Chalanga. Yeah, um, it is a different pod. <laughs> but I think he is. I think that his personality is so OKC, though. OKC yeah. is just like a really. They're just like a gnarly. I mean, they're Russell. It's Westbrook. so Russell Westbrook. It's it's only so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ru- but he's not Russell Westbrook. He's not good enough. No, he's not. Maybe Russell Westbrook's not good enough either to be Russell Westbrook. So here's my here's my second question. Can Russ and Paul George? Because I like I don't know how like they're gonna find a third. Are those two enough to be able to be a legitimate playoff contender? No. Are they enough to even get them out of the first round? Yes, but not out of the second. Yeah, it's just like had they somehow beaten like let's say they had been matched up against God, I don't even know what team they could beat. They might have been able to beat the the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets would be a good matchup for them. Right? Well, the they Nuggets get are of, a good matchup for anybody. They people were fighting for that <laughs> matchup. True. True. The Spurs almost beat the Nuggets. So. Yeah. But let's say they beat the Nuggets, they move on to the next round, and what, they face the Rockets and get absolutely rocked i don't know i don't yeah i thought that they would be better than they were this year for some reason and now i'm completely off the bandwagon i wasn't on the bandwagon two years ago but something about them getting rid of mellow made me get back on the bandwagon i've given up i don't think russell westbrook is going to be getting any better and i don't think paul george is going to be getting any better yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I mean, Russ is definitely going to get worse. Paul George could maybe get a little bit better because he's not even 30 yet. I get, I get that Paul George was hurt, but everyone's hurt in the playoffs, so I'm not going to give him that, you know? Yeah, ain't no one healthy in the playoffs. Ain't no one healthy in the playoffs. All right, we're going to move on because this is making me sad. So Here lie the Utah Jazz, launched we're into the afterlife by the Fowley one and his perimeter minions on April 24, 2019, as the Houston Rockets claimed the series four games Now we remember Utah's accomplishments. Donovan Mitchell increases scoring, assists, rebound, and three-point percentage numbers this year. In the regular season or playoffs? In the regular season. Everything was up. Some of his advanced stats were down, but not by much. Rudy Gobert had a career year, averaging 16 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 blocks per game. And in the year 2019, from January 1st on, the Utah Jazz had a phenomenal run of 31 and 13. That's really great. They are Utah has continually been a second half of the year team. Good for them. I just looked and Donovan Mitchell's playoff numbers were almost all down. <laughs> yeah, he had a he had a tough playoffs this year. He had a yes. really, really tough playoffs. I mean, Houston shut him down. I mean, they knew how to shut him down. And what they did is they just focused their offense or their defense on him and said, anybody else beat us. Oh, my God. His PER was 6.8 in the playoffs this year. Yeah, well, the only game that Utah won was the game that <laughs> 
Ricky Rubio and Jay Crowder went insane. In the first quarter, Ricky Rubio and I think it was Ricky Rubio and Jay Crowder scored like 26 of the team's 32 points. Mm. But there's just not enough support. So let's let's talk about this team moving forward. As the forward. Celtics so, know, Jay Crowder can't be a key member of a playoff winning team. No, he can't because sometimes he just he turns into someone else. <laughs> who is actually who he is in real life yeah true he turns it to himself uh most of the time moving forward the the jazz have left themselves like a pretty good amount of flexibility so they have 10 to 28 million dollars in cap room available depending on guaranteed contracts so the big one is Derek favors Derek favors Mm -hmm. has a 16 million dollar 16.9 16.9 million dollar contract. The guarantee date is July 6th. Free agency starts on what? July 1st. There's no way Derek Favors is on that team on July 6th. You would think not. You I mean, you would rather have the extra 18 million in cap or 17 million in cap to fill out this roster. Get like a Nikola Mirotic. Uh, no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. I'm calling it right now Nikola Mirotic will be on the Utah Jazz next year. Interesting. You don't think he's going to stay with the Bucks? I don't know if the Bucks are going to be able to re-sign him because they have to re-sign Chris Middleton and Malcolm Brogdon. Yikes. And they already re-signed Eric Bledsoe. Well, we'll get to them when they lose in the next round. We'll see. Here's my questions for you about the Utah Jazz. Can they find a third star or near star to pair with Mitchell and Gobert? I don't think so. Is Utah, it's, it's not... It's not sexy enough of a destination. It's too racist. True. <laughs> and here's my second question. Is Gobert even the answer? Is it worth sticking with Gobert? I will say that Gobert's third-team All-NBA in Towns. It's looking like he's nothing this year. But I would rather have Towns going forward. I would, too. I would, too. Obviously. 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 I mean, Gobert really impacts the game defensively. But we saw in the Houston series, sometimes it's really hard to to play him because he mm-hmm. really, he, he can't be abused uh, by, by the quicker guards in the league. Yeah. <clears throat> even with, he does close out faster than you would think that he would just because he's so long, but Houston was too much for him. So, yeah. And you know, Joe Ingles is on the wrong side of 30 and he was never super athletic. And so I, I you know, it's, it's going to be tough for him to continue the level of play he's had in the past. And he was actually just, atrocious in the playoffs he was so bad yeah that was a tough l for me so i'm i'm interested in seeing the utah jazz really work to find some more scoring wing talent getting a nikola miritich maybe like a terrence ross pieces that can win donovan mitchell is not on the court can provide some extra scoring punch you know i also wonder what their point guard situation is going to be ricky rubio is a free agent this year I don't think that Ricky Rubio is really the answer. So I wonder if they'll look to, you know, I wonder if they'll they'll stick their name in the pot for Kemba Walker, even though I don't know if they'll have enough money to pay him. Yeah, they won't have enough. Um, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I you know I'm I'm curious to see what they'll do. Me too. Bow your head as you remember the Los Angeles Clippers. Here lie the L.A. Clippers. Whose David and Goliath tale enchanted us all. However, 
Goliath would prove to be too much as L.A. was laid to rest on April 26, 2019 by the Golden State Warriors four games to two. And now we remember their accomplishments. This year, the L.A. Clippers traded their best player, Tobias Harris, made the playoffs, and took two games from one of the greatest teams of all time. They managed to rip Ivaka Zubats away from the other L.A. team for almost nothing. And they pulled off the largest comeback in playoff history, coming back from down 31 points, once again against one of the best teams in NBA history. Dylan, your Clippers. These ain't mine. Oh, yeah, you're a Lakers guy. These ain't my Clippers. <laughs> but I can't say I wasn't smiling when they when they probably lived three or four days longer than they should have. Oh my goodness! Yes, that I I don't know how they did it. I still like I I saw how they did it, but I don't know how they did it. <laughs> yeah, I turned off that thirty-one point comeback game. Mm-hmm. And You're I like, yeah, this is over. It. Yeah. <laughs> You're not the only one, dude. I did watch game five. Good, good. Moving forward, next year they've got sixty million in cap room. So they have they have SGA, Landry Shamit, Jerome Robinson, Montrez, Lou Williams, and Danilo under contract for next year. And then they've got two max slots to work with. Two max slots. Dylan, this is gonna be Kawhi's new home, right? No, the Lakers. Come on. Oh, I would love that. Kawhi, D. Wade, Ty Lu. <laughs> Let's get everyone in the Lakers. <gasps> oh, shit. What if Kevin Durant goes and joins the Clippers? Goes and plays with Patrick Beverly. <laughs> you know? He's got I, a- I do feel like I do feel like there was kind of like some some low key love for him under all that hate. Oh yeah, I mean, I think the didn't Beverly and Lou Williams have a whole like um I mean KD's the greatest, like he's the best player in the league right now, blah blah blah. Didn't they wasn't that a soundbite from one of their interviews? Regardless, here here's my thing is that the Clippers are going to get somebody. They've also got a good package for a potential Anthony Davis trade. I'm curious to see who they... I'm I'm kind of rooting for Kevin Durant now. I'm just imagining on the Staples Center having one massive LeBron James and one massive Kevin Durant right next to each other. I think that would be awesome. I want the Clippers to go to Seattle immediately. <laughs> Why doesn't New Orleans go to Seattle? Everyone should go to Seattle, okay? True. Except the Timberwolves. A couple more things about the Clippers. They don't have their pick this year because they made the playoffs, so the Celtics have it. Um, but they do have two picks in 2020 and two picks in 2021. So moving forward, they've got cap room. They've got picks. They've got some young, interesting players. They've got creative ownership and management. This team is really set up, Dill. <laughs> Let's move on. All right. <laughs> Bow your head as we remember our final team to be laid to rest. Here lie the San Antonio Spurs, who died strangely in a Game 7 when no one seemed to know what Pop was asking them to do. Denver took their life on April 27, 2019, as they won the series four games to three. And now, 
we remember their accomplishments from this year. They traded Kawhi Leonard in the offseason, their best player, and still made a return to the playoffs. For their American sports leading 22nd consecutive playoff appearance, and they found a gem of a good basketball player in Derek White. I don't know. He kind of disappeared after, like, game four. Yeah, that's why I left it at good. You know, just good. And most importantly, Pop became the winningest NBA coach of all time, playoffs and regular season combined, during that series. Mm. Way to go, Pop. Let's get a round of applause for Pop really quick. All right, so looking forward, the Spurs have $12 million in cap next year. All the important players are back, except for Rudy Gay, who I don't know how important Rudy Gay is. But LaMarcus will be back. Jakob Pertl will be back. Derek White will be back tomorrow. Deontay Murray will hopefully be returning from injury. So here's my question. How can the Spurs improve? I think that all of their hope hinges upon DeJounte Murray coming back. They were really, really high on him at the beginning of the year. You know, um, everything that I was hearing was that he was awesome. He'd made leaps and bounds since his rookie season. Um, Unfortunately, he got hurt. And honestly, I did not see him play that much in his rookie season. And I don't know much about his game. I know that he's long and tall and quick. Yet another team with a bunch of large guards, but maybe not large enough to be forwards. Right. Is is a team with DeMar and LaMarcus as your best two players, is that better or worse than a team with Russ and PG as your best two players? Neither one gets you out of the first round. <laughs> yeah, I think it's hard to say, too, because Pop is such an advantage compared to Billy Donovan. Maybe. Pop's getting old. Pop's like Pop 70 is getting old. Here's the good thing, is that the Spurs have their pick and Toronto's pick. They are good at drafting. You know, they found DeJounte Murray late. They found Derek White late. They found Manu late. They found Tony Parker late. You know, they're they're a good drafting team. So having two swings at the bat will be good. And Pop's coming back for three years. Allegedly. Anyway, that was our in memoriam to the playoff teams who are no longer in the playoffs. We wish them a peaceful, eternal rest. Hopefully, we'll see some of them back in the playoffs next year. Now, to the current playoff matchups. There are still eight teams in the playoffs. So, we're going to really quickly go through the current series, uh, talk about our thoughts, who we think will win, what are some keys to the games, and then we'll be out of here. So, I'm going to start first with the Toronto-Philadelphia series. This game is actually going on right now as we record. Let me do a quick... 89 to 85, three minutes left in the fourth. Oh, shit. Who's up? Oh, sorry. The Raptors are winning 89 to 85 with three minutes left in the fourth. Oh, I'm rooting for the Raptors really bad. Okay, so the first game, uh, the Raptors won. Kawhi Leonard went for 45 and Pascal Siakam went for 29. The Philadelphia starters had a hard time getting into their offense. They had a hard time scoring. Um, then game two, it was a it was a banger. It was a Phil- Philadelphia won 94 to 89. Um, super low scoring game and the first two games and now this fourth game Joel Embiid has been really struggling offensively Um, and a lot of that is because Toronto has Marc Gasol who is a big 
defensive minded body that can really, really, really inhibit Joel Embiid, you know, because most of the time he can bully past people, but you ain't bullying past Fat Mark. He's a big boy. True. Big, big boy. And so both Gasol and Embiid are having pretty poor offensive series. Um, Joel Embiid did come in with game three, which was a Philadelphia blowout. He scored 33 points. He only scored, he only played 28 minutes, scored 33. Um, that was, that was a really big game for, for Philadelphia. Let's just get back to this at the end of the pod. Cause it's going to be over by the time we're done. All right. So why don't you hit me with one of the Western conference series? Sure. Right now, as of Friday, Portland beat Denver in a, quadruple overtime game the first one since like the 50s wow it was interesting because it wasn't dame it wasn't cj it wasn't even Cantor who delivered the final blow but it was rodney hood hey lebron james couldn't get rodney hood going but dame and cj sure could for some reason rodney hood was lights out in overtime he couldn't miss he was hitting like step back jumpers pump fake threes you know every once in a while rodney hood will come at you with one of those games where he just is hot i mean he's a he's a heat check shooter and i think the key for him is if he can play if he can play against bigger players than he is he's really a shooting guard but with cj and dame he's having to play at small forward Mm -hmm. but if he can continue to hang on around some of the bigger players. I guess it's not too much of a problem with Denver because Denver doesn't have a lot of those bigger small forwards, but I think Portland might run into some issues when they have to guard Kevin Durant. I mean, every team does, but yeah. uh, once you get to the truly elite teams, they're going to have true small forwards, and um, so Hood might be exposed there. Uh, but he played well there, and C.J. McCollum had the best game that night with uh, 41 points, I believe. Uh, Jokic played 65 minutes and missed one of two free throws to tie the game. So uh, that's kind of what ended up ending the game. I think Jokic was a little tired. Yeah, you think? <laughs> Dame's cooled off a lot. I mean, in 50 minutes of play or whatever, he only had about 28 points. Um, but the nice thing is that what they kind of idealize with this team is happening, which is that when Dame's not hot, CJ can get hot and they can kind of make up for each other, Mm -hmm. um, where one's lacking. I think the key for Portland right now is Canner's separated shoulder. If that can stay intact, uh, then they won't have to play like Myers Leonard and Zach Collins. Dame time needs to come back. Mm hmm. The keys for Denver are Jokic's stamina. I think Jokic is the team right now, and if he can stay on the court, he's going to be fine. But I'm worried that he's going to break down over seven games of of just getting pounded by Ennis Cantor. Mm-hmm. The weird thing is that the most consistent other person is has been Paul Millsap from both ends of the court, but as a second scoring option, really, like just give him the ball and trust that he's that he's going to take a good shot. Jamal Murray's been a really on and off heat check guy and even though he's even looked good in the in the box score, he went like 2 for 8 in game 2 from 3. Mhm. And then in in game 3, he was 4 for 12 from 3. So he's just putting them up no matter what. And he might have had 34 points, but he took 32 shots and I don't think that that's 
what they want out of him. Yo, he's been doing that. All, he was on my fantasy team this year, so I, I'm very familiar with the play of Jamal Murray, and it can be described in one simple word, inconsistent. <laughs> At a very deep level, he is super inconsistent. Yeah, it's an interesting series. I like what Portland did this year with their roster. What they did is, you're right, when when Dame is not hot, they've got a bunch of offensive heat guys in Cantor, Hood, Seth Curry, just people who chances are one of the three is going to be able to really heat up and and carry the offensive load if Dame is having a hard time getting into it. So interesting series. Who you got, Portland or uh, Denver? I'm going to pick Portland, and I think that the reason I'm picking Portland is because I think that they're playing for each other. Mm-hmm. I think everyone knows where they are, what their role is, and everyone's able to have the games that they want when they win. And I and I don't I don't see I don't really don't see that kind of togetherness out of many other teams even in the playoffs, even the ones that are having some success. Yeah, I'm with you. I got Portland too. All right, I'm going to talk about Milwaukee, Boston quickly. So game one was the Kyrie Horford game. Kyrie scored 29 points, and Al Horford had. A real defensive masterpiece of a game. He is a brilliant help defender. It really took, it really shook the Bucks. Um, Al Horford also had a bunch of blocks. He blocked Giannis a few times. Um, Giannis only ended up scoring 22 points, which was his lowest total of the series thus far, and he didn't get any help from anybody else. Uh, um, Lopez had three points. Bledsoe was in single digits. It was it was a rough offensive game for the Bucks. Then the Bucks came back in game two. Giannis, Bledsoe, and Middleton combined for 78 points altogether. Um, and to mirror that, Jason Tatum completely disappeared, scored five points in the game, could not hit a shot to save his life. Um, then uh, game three was the Giannis's big game of the series thus far. He scored 32 points, 13 rebounds, eight assists, um, and really carried the team to a, a really big win. Uh, the score ended up being 123 to 116 which does not really reflect how close the game was because the fourth quarter was pretty much dominated by the Bucks until like four or five minutes left in the quarter, and then the Celtics started hitting shots and almost making a run, but but the Giannis answered every time they got close. Yeah, it was um, that game three was pretty boring still. Mm-hmm. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if this were a reverse gentleman's sweep if yeah. uh, Milwaukee just takes it home and wins three to one I honestly I think that Milwaukee might win the next two games I think the chances are pretty high I mean Giannis is playing super well um, so I mean the keys for Milwaukee if they want to keep winning is that Giannis has to keep up the play and he just needs help from somewhere Bledsoe and Middleton and Lopez you know or Miritich. and Pat Connaughton I, I was going to bring up Pat Connaughton. Yeah, he's been really nice off the bench because um, Sterling Brown has been starting in the place of the injured Malcolm Brogdon, um, which is actually which is big. That's a, that's a big problem for, for the, the Bucks. Brogdon opens up a lot of different offensive looks for them uh, because of his size and his ability to, to switch on the defensive end of the floor. You can take Bledsoe off and put, you know, the 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, thick, stocky Brogdon in at the one position and that changes how you can play who you can play anyway 
Um, there was, was really no but Pat Connaughton was stroking it from three yesterday. Yeah, he's Very been nice. he's been a, a sneaky good pickup. I didn't like he barely played all season, and now he's been he's been hot, and they've been using him. Um, so yeah, I think the I think the Bucks likely will win. Boston, if they want to win, they have to bring back that defensive intensity from game one, and Jason Tatum needs to step up. Bottom line, um, he can't have games where he's only scoring five points. Um, granted, game three he put up twenty, but uh, obviously it was in a losing effort. Um, so Jason Tatum's got to step up, and they've got to really increase that defensive intensity, like in game one. Now for the series that we had all been waiting for ever since last year, when it went seven games, Golden State Houston. Now things took a turn for the worst when Houston won- lost. The first two games of this series, and one was a heartbreaker. The other one was like a sneaky close game. And people were writing off Houston. I wasn't writing off Houston, but there were some people in my text threads whose names started with Chalanga and ended in Langison <laughs> who were writing off the Rockets already. As far as I could tell from the text here, Chalanga was saying it felt sweepy. I quote, and I quote, sweepy. I did say it feels a little sweepy. Um, you but said I was, sweepy. I was saying that I was feeling I'm feeling a little sweepy doing oh, is what I was saying because the, the games are on so late. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's you misunderstood. That's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's a good rationale. Thank you. Golden State won the first two games by a total of ten points. Uh, game one was obviously the uh, foul game where Clay Thompson was. Doing some questionable closeouts on James Harden wasn't getting called on him. Uh, I th- I do think that they were fouls, most of the Clay Thompson ones. There was a Draymond Green one that I saw where Harden kicked out his foot a little bit. So I, I would have given a no call there, as they did. But um, I would say there were at least three missed calls that could have turned the game around. But even that being said... Don't file a lawsuit about all the calls that were missed the game of the day after. <laughs> it's a bad look. It's a bad look. And I think that's why they came out in game two and the game never felt close. I mean, James Harden gets hit in the face and he's trying to fight through it. And he actually plays pretty well considering. But the game never felt close. It was They were up by 10 the whole time and somehow they came to within six at the end. And just barely snuck in to uh, lose the first two by 10. Anyway, uh, by 10 total points. But that's kind of what gave me a little bit of hope for when they came home. Especially because the Rockets, they've been playing really well from home this whole time. The Rockets are 31-10 and 10 at home and 22-19 and 19 away. Hmm. If they would have been able to win just one of those two games in Golden State, I, I think that they would have probably had a better than 50% chance to win this series just because of how good they are at home. But now they're going to have to win like a tough game five or an even tougher game seven. They're either going to have to win three games in a row or win a game seven and win two games in a row twice. So it's going to be really tough for them to come back. But I think that there's a chance game three was kind of weird because it never really felt close either. It felt like the Rockets were winning by 10 pretty consistently. And then Durant just, decided to take the Warriors back into the game by himself. Yeah, he just did some Durant stuff. Yeah, and even even weirder than, like, I, I don't even know if I saw this that much on 
not to this extent on OKC, but they just let Durant take the ball down the court and play ISO. They literally let Durant take the James Harden role. Mm. And the game ended up going into overtime, and they went away from Durant when once they got into overtime, which was kind of weird, and it's kind of what everyone's complaining about. But either way, the Rockets won. There was this really weird series to end the game that Bill Simmons is complaining about where Harden got away with a charge, and then Curry takes the ball down the court and misses a dunk. Yeah. Oh, he gets eaten up by the rim. That was embarrassing. Why are you turning it around when you're like, you've been playing, I don't know, however many minutes, whatever, 35, 40 yeah, minutes. Yeah, just lay it up, Curry. Just lay it up. You want to win the game. Yeah. They were they were down five at that point. But there was a, then there, but there was a chance <sighs> they could have come back. There were like 20 seconds left or something. Yeah, there was a chance. There was still a chance. And I don't think it was as much of an atrocious, I don't think it was as much of an atrocious charge as, bill simmons thought it was i mm-hmm. i do think that dre, that dre was trying to sell it a little bit but it was kind of a weird way to end that game good game though it was a fun game to watch yeah you know what i think my money is on the nba is rigged and this game will go this series will go seven hopefully for the money <laughs> so uh i think the keys for the warriors right now are point durant durant as a point guard seems to be the only way that this team gets going and part of that's because Steph Curry has been playing like crap. Do you know that Steph Curry has never had an iconic playoff run? He has had no iconic playoff year. What you mean? For a person who's like on the verge of being on Mount Rushmore of basketball, Steph Curry has never had a year where he was the best player in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Is it time to start throwing away the Steph Curry is clutch argument? Just because he's never been the best player in a finals, and he's won three finals. Well, I mean, you could argue that the Iguodala MVP year could have actually been a Steph Curry MVP year. No, it was LeBron James's before it was Steph Curry's, no matter what. Hmm. The only year that you could have argued it, I think, was one of the two Durant years, and I don't remember which one. But uh, Durant had like a 50-point game or something, or like a 40-point game and kind of just put it away at the end. Yeah, I remember that. But yeah, like Steph, he's got to get his act together if they want to win the championship. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Draymond's turned it up, though. Draymond's been averaging like a triple-double. In this series alone, he had one triple-double, and he was one away from a triple-double in both the rebound and assist categories in game one. And then game two, he was like 14, 12 rebounds and seven assists or something like that. Wow. So Draymond's really been kicking it up a notch. And if he can keep playing the way he's playing and Andre Iguodala can keep playing the way that he's playing, they're going to be formidable, especially from a two-way standpoint. And for Houston, I think it's very interesting because the Clint Capella pick and roll has been taken out. Mm-hmm. They used to be able to every. It felt like every play was was Clint coming up to the three point line, throwing a pick, and then rolling, and then James Harden deciding whether he wanted to drive, step back, or throw a little lob, a little floater to Clint in the in the paint. But they've taken that away. I mean, Andre Iguodala. It doesn't. Uh, there are so many guys who are just reading it, and they're they're able to get steals just from those floaters that are supposed to be going to Capella. 
I wonder if they're ever going to be able to get that back in this series. Maybe not. But that was one of the strongest plays that, that they had in their arsenal, Houston, during the regular season. What they've relied on instead is some hot shooting from Eric Gordon and Austin Rivers. Another key is the uh, Gerald Green, Daniel House, Iman Shumpert debacle because right now they don't have anyone that they can play. Ideally, they'll play one of them. Mm-hmm. But right now they're kind of figuring out how to play each of them. And if one of those guys can emerge, then they're going to have a much stronger rotation because right now giving them like seven minutes each or whatever they've been doing, depending on the game, isn't working out for them. No one's playing well. It looks like Iman Shumpert might be the solution, but I think that's going to be the biggest decision Mike D'Antoni makes for the rest of the series. Personally, I'm still waiting on a James Harden an iconic James Harden game. I might be waiting on a, an iconic James Harden playoff moment. I think you'll be waiting uh, on that as long as I'm waiting for Markel Fultz. <laughs> Rude. Rude. <laughs> Let's not forget, everyone, he did score 41 points last night, but he averaged 37 a game this year. So in an, in an overtime game, th- 41 points is average. That's not a great game. Uh, I want to see one 50-point game from Harden before the end of the series. And if if we get that, then maybe this series can go to seven. And maybe Houston's got a shot. I think it's kind of crazy looking back, looking back on it that Houston could not take more advantage of the buyout market. I don't know if they didn't want to because of like their luxury tax situation. But I just think there were better wing players available in buyouts than Daniel House or Iman Shumpert. Um, And they could have upgraded one of those positions. And I get Gerald Green because Gerald Green has been good for them and and they they value Gerald Green and he's been important. Not in the playoffs. Yeah, true. Um, But, you know, like we mentioned earlier, Wayne Ellington was available. Wes Matthews was available. I don't know if Wes Matthews, you know, I don't don't know if he had interest in, in going to Houston. But you'd think... That that would be more interesting than, because I mean that that's a playoff caliber team or a championship caliber team, in yeah. Houston. Um, so I that's just that's a little curious to me, um, and that's kind of been the question about Houston this whole time is like why aren't they going more all in to try to win? It's weird because they did the whole Chris Paul trade and and really went balls to the wall, but if you're gonna go balls to the wall, you have to keep on going balls to the wall. Otherwise, what was the point? And so it's weird that they've then taken a more conservative approach after, you know, th- throwing it all in. And we're kind of seeing the, the consequences of that with their, their wing issues um, coming off the bench. I just, I don't know if this team has the, has the stones to, to beat Golden State in seven, um, especially winning four out of the next, or three out of the next four. That's going to be really tough. They don't have the wing depth to guard Kevin Durant. They need they need someone who can guard Kevin Durant because it's not going to be James Harden. Yeah, and and like and you said, been. <laughs> Golden State has eliminated one of the keys of Houston's offense, which is the Clint Capella pick and roll. I think that if a team can eliminate one of the most important things that a, the other team does offensively, that's checkmate. You know. 
I mean, what is, what is, is Houston going to change the way that they play effectively, really quickly? Probably not. So, And, and that's what Golden State has done. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, well, you're going to take away Steph, then we're going to give you point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about Golden State. They've got more options. When one thing is taken away, they've got yeah. so many more options. That's the difference in this series. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to talk about Toronto, Philadelphia quickly because we got to get going. I really want to just highlight this game that just finished. I watched the first half. Um, Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry were saucing it up in the first half. Kawhi had 17 points and 10 rebounds in the first half. And uh, Kyle Lowry ended with 10 points in the first. Philadelphia or Toronto just won 101 to 96. So I'm looking here at Philadelphia's shot distribution, and it is seriously fucked up. So here are the starters, okay? Ben Simmons took 10 shots. J.J. Redick took 9. Joel Embiid took seven. Jimmy Butler took eighteen, <laughs> and I want you to I want you to guess how many shots Tobias Harris took. Uh, twenty three. Yes, exactly. Are you looking at it? <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> Tobias Harris took twenty three. He was seven oh, for twenty three on the game. That's really bad. Joel Embiid needs fifteen of those shots, <laughs> or at Minimum. least ten. At least how 10. many did he make out of the seventy shot? Two. He went two for seven. Well, then maybe he shouldn't be taking 23 shots. Um, no, I mean, you give Joel Embiid the shots like because they're going to go in or they're not going to go in and he's going to get fouled. I guess he did take or seven. he's injured right now and they're worried about him because he only played 35 minutes. He played the least amount of all the starters. Yeah, but he always does that. I mean, almost always. I don't know about that. But, I feel but like you're at right. the end of the season, they were trying to figure out... Like, he was playing 35, 40 minutes a game, and I was like, that's when we were all getting excited. You're right. He is he is injured, though. I mean, he came into the playoffs injured, and I don't think he's really healed. Um, he did take 10 free throws, though. So if you think about that, you can add five more shots to... At least five more shots to his shot total. But still, I mean, that it's it's not right. Tobias Harris should not be the leading shot taker. Um, especially when he's only shooting 30%. I think Jimmy Butler at 18 shots a game is pretty perfect. Uh, ben Simmons in the 10 to 12 range is perfect. Um, JJ is a little bit more up and down depending on how hot he is, but six for nine, four for seven from three. Uh, JoJo just needs at least 10 more shots. He needs to get 15 to 20 shots every game. They've got a big issue, and I think they're going to wear down in any long series just because... They have five players on their team. Yeah. That's it. James Ennis is not going to be what you need him to be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Mike Scott's not going to... It hasn't been there. Greg, Mike Scott had a good moment. You know, he had one good moment, and everyone was like, Mike Scott! Right. And uh, he always does, but he did with the Clippers as well. I mean, during the regular season when he played mm-hmm. for them. They're not playoff rotational players no. for a team that's playing against a team like the Toronto Raptors. Like Toronto Raptors are finals contenders. I don't know if Philly can be because they have a five person roster. Yeah. Like you like you can't be playing Greg Monroe. Have you like have you watched Greg Monroe play, Dylan? <laughs> Not since two thousand thirteen. He's really he's really bad. Yeah. He missed a wide open layup. He did a little turnaround, like a little drop step baseline turnaround. 
and it was wi- the like wide open. It looked like me. Like that's something that I would do. It just completely. He rimmed like front rimmed a wide open layup. It was horrible. He is exactly the prototype of player that has been played out of the NBA by the three point revolution, and he just can't give any good minutes. Sure can't. Whereas Toronto, even though they're injured right now, Jer- Jeremy Lin is injured. Um, they've their fifth guard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got. They really only played. Oh wow, they really only played their top six: Ibaka, Lowry, Green, Gasol, Siakam, and Leonard. All played twenty-eight minutes or more, and then they had Van Vliet, McCaw, and Norman Powell play seven, four, and four minutes respectively. So Toronto really tightened up their rotation and said, all right, you have five people. We've got six. Beat us. <laughs> That's basically it. Uh-huh. The Sixers came out strong in the last two games, but I've got Toronto in this series. I mean, Kawhi, like, Kawhi Leonard's the best player, and he's been having an amazing series. Today he scored 39 points, 14 rebounds, five assists, five of seven from three-point. Ooh, my man's. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, like, especially if JoJo's hurt, Kawhi is the best player by, a, like, a pretty significant margin. No disrespect to Jimmy Butler, but he's just not Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I think it's probably going to go seven. And in game sevens, you always got to take the most clutch player, and that's Kawhi right now. That's right. Although Jimmy Butler mm, is Kawhi's one of finals MVP. Clutch. True. <laughs> true true all right so we went way over time but thanks for listening please 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 go back and listen we just put out the final installment of our convince me series where dylan tried to convince me that michael jordan was the third best player of all time he did a really good job the amount of research he did was amazing thank you again for that dylan um please go listen to that go back and listen to our puppies awards show dylan and i got the opportunity to host the timberwolves annual award show the puppies Mm. at the target center it was an amazing experience um and i know you'll love that episode um there's also a song premiere an original song premiere um by a few timberwolves players on that episode so please give it a listen don't forget to like and subscribe download and give us a rating please it it really helps we're we're really looking for more people to start downloading and rating us yeah we just want downloads yeah yeah, really. We just don't care us, if please. you hate us. Just download us, please, 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 please. Um, don't forget to follow. Don't forget to follow us on the socials, on Twitter at Coast to Coast MBA, on Instagram at Coast to Coast MBA Pod. Send us an email at Coast to Coast MBA at gmail.com. Remember, the two is the number two, not T O. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we're gonna be back next week, probably. Uh, we're gonna. We've got some guests. Uh, coming on in the near future we're also going to make sure that we pay our respects to the teams in the playoffs that lose this round and you know with the playoffs there's always lots more to talk about so Dylan you got anything else? No let's get out of here I want to watch the next game I need to watch Portland Yes yes Portland's going to be tight although I think Abigail wants me to watch the Hannah Montana movie so we'll see 